you stand with me, please, for the scripture reading this morning? If you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible, it is page 831. We're at Luke 1, verses 26 through 38. Page 831. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of meaning this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You can be seated. So Sir Paul McCartney, the legendary Beatles member, I don't know if you know the story, but he lost his mother to cancer when he was only 14 years old. And several years later, he dreamed about his mother. His mother was named Mary. And this dream inspired a song, one that I'm guessing most of us are familiar with. Maybe you've heard it at least once. And Paul told James Corbin this story just last year as they drove through Liverpool. Here it is. I had a dream in the 60s where my mom, who died, came to me in the dream and was reassuring me, saying, it's going to be okay. Just let it be. And I went, oh. I felt so sort of great and like, Boy, that, it's going to be great, you know. She gave me the positive word. So I woke up and I went, what, what was that? Did she say, let it be? So I've never heard that. Yeah. That's kind of good, you know. So I wrote the song, let it be, but it was her positivity. That's the most beautiful story I've ever heard. When I find myself in times of trouble, my man comes to me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. Uh -huh. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me. 
speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Yeah, let it be, let it be, let it be, yeah, let it be. There will be an answer, let it be. Give the harmony. Let it be, let it be, let it be, yeah, let it be. So until I heard that story, I had wrongly assumed that Let It Be was a sort of truncated Luke 138 when our Mother Mary says, Let it be with me according to your word. And it is true for years, Sir Paul, like any good artist, left the interpretation up to the listener. Who's Mary? <laughs> and no matter what Paul told James Corbin, I, I also like to interpret the song in layers as Mary, the Virgin Mary, reminding us of her posture before God. Let it be, just as we heard in the scripture reading. And like he said, it is such a word of positivity. But I'd like to add that our Mary's response to the angel is that, but so much more. And we're going to be looking at that this morning. This Advent season, we have been talking about desire. Looking at what the characters in the Advent and Christmas story desire. Looking at the text with a question, what does he or she want? First week, we looked at Zachariah and how he desired certainty. Last week, Pastor Lars preached about Elizabeth's desire to be free from a life of shame. And in this time, I hope that you have been asking yourself, what do I want? And not just the thin desires, but these thick, deep desires. What do I want? So this week, Mary, what does Mary want? I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Mary desires God's will. When Gabriel visits her with this crazy news that she, an unmarried virgin, is going to conceive without the help of a man, let it be. Let it be. And, and as a side note, the virgin birth is a core doctrine for us. I want to be clear. We, we don't just, like, pretend that maybe this is a myth. No, this is, we believe that God intervened in regular circumstances to create a pregnancy for Mary with Jesus. Jesus has already always existed, but we believe that the virgin birth is real. And this is the only way that God can come to us as fully God and fully human to redeem us. The virgin birth is real. But in response to this new reality, this strange news, this great mystery, Mary doesn't ask for certainty like Zechariah. I mean, she does ask for clarification, which, I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> How can this be since I am a virgin? But then she trusts Gabriel's response. And unlike Elizabeth, 
She doesn't seek for her shame to be taken away. And we all know that she is going to have shame from this experience. Instead, Mary desires God's will. Let it be. Let it be with me according to your word. And this is a word for all of us. And this is why I would classify Paul McCartney's Let It Be as a great Christmas song. Because Mary receives the word of God with full trust and hope. Let it be with me according to your word. These are just six words in Greek. But they communicate hope for the future. That are hope that is pregnant with meaning. When Mary says, let it be, she's saying, okay, Gabriel, okay, I'll take this unplanned, unfathered pregnancy with grace and receive it according to your word. Let it be. And Mary is an example for us to follow. Some of the other examples of desire that we're looking at, we're saying, don't, don't be like Zechariah. Don't be like that. Don't live in your shame like Elizabeth. But today I am saying, be like Mary. Be like Jesus' mom. Seek and follow the will of God, just like she did. And these are some of the reasons that the church, even the Protestant church, my friends, even Martin Luther, honor Mary in a special way. She was the first person ever to receive Christ, literally. Mary is pregnant with God. For nine months, God lived inside of her. She received Jesus. She bore God. And, and because of this great mystery, in 431 AD, the Church Council of Ephesus, and this is part of our history, determined that because Jesus is God, it is theologically correct to call Mary Theotokos, which means God-bearer. God was enwombed in a woman. And it's all because of Mary's desire and willingness to receive and do God's will. She didn't have to say yes. Let it be with me according to your word. Let it be. The truth that this man, God, is growing within me. Let it be the awkwardness and shame I'll experience as a first century unwed Jewish mother. Let it be the suffering I'll experience watching my own son be executed. Let it be. Mary desires God's will. But to go back to Sir Paul. I want to offer something more. It is a great song, and it is not wrong, but it is incomplete. Let it be is a great starting posture, but it's just the first part of the sentence. The, the Virgin Mary completes Paul. He, he sings, let it be, but she adds, with me according to your word. Let us learn desire from Mary. Because desire is contagious. This is why advertising works. This is why if you're in junior high or high school, and if you were in junior high or high school sometime in the past, you might remember that you wanted to dress like your friends. Desire is contagious. This is why we have style in our culture. We imitate the desires of others. 
We imitate that. Here is a story to illustrate how we imitate desires of others. In the 1920s, 100 years ago, it was considered indecent for women to smoke cigarettes. Men everywhere smoked, way more than now. But women did not smoke. And the American tobacco company realized that their market really wouldn't grow unless that taboo was lifted. So they hired the famous propagandaist, it was later changed to advertiser, um, propagandaist Edward Bernays, Edward Bernays strategically connected women's liberation to smoking. And as women challenged male power, they would also claim something, smoking is something they too could participate in. Bernays rebranded cigarettes as torches of freedom. And in the 1929 Easter parade in New York City, which was a lot like the Macy's Thanksgiving parade is now, it had a lot of media coverage, there was a group of women strategically placed to look organic who all lit up cigarettes and started smoking together. To a bystander, it, it might have looked like they just sort of joined the parade and, and started smoking, but it was staged. There were photographers ready to capture these images and put them on the front pages of newspapers around the United States, from the New York Times to the daily paper in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It wasn't organic. It was highly manipulated. These pictures appeared, pictures of women with their torches of freedom, and with quotes from the women. One, one quote by Bertha Hunt said, I hope that we have started something and that these torches of freedom will smash the discriminatory taboo on cigarettes for women and our sex will go on breaking down all discriminations. Bertha Hunt was Edward Bernays' personal secretary and her off-the-cuff quote, uh, off quote was a carefully crafted statement. Sales of Lucky Strike cigarettes tripled in a year. We learn desire from others and we imitate it. I am not telling you that story to encourage you to smoke. Please don't smoke anything. I, I tell you the story to show how influenceable we all are, especially when we are unaware of it. It's natural to desire. You're going to desire. That's part of being human. Desire itself is neutral. It's sort of like nuclear power. It can be used for great good or great ill. So be aware of your desire and choose a better way. And I want to say that the better way is Mary. The better way is to desire what Mary desires, to desire God's will. So what does it look like for us to join with Mary in saying, let it be with me according to your word? In other words, what does it take for us to also desire God's will? What does it look like for us to imitate Mary? And I don't think any of us are called to what she was called to, but we can still desire God's will just like she did. So here's three ways that Mary's desire for God's will is shown, and, and we can imitate these three ways. The first, desire for God's will takes a love for God's word. Let it be with me according to your word. 
In our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, and we just heard this in the, in the new member liturgy, we affirm the centrality of the word of God. We believe the Bible is the only perfect rule, that means measurement or standard, for faith, doctrine, and conduct. This is our first of seven affirmations, and the other six are really planted in this one. We affirm the centrality of the word of God. Now, I, I love this affirmation. It's great, and I would actually say it's great, and it's a great start. Because we can take this and then interpret it that the Bible has authority and we're to submit to it, which is also good, but I, I don't want you to muscle your way through the Christian faith. I don't want it to just be something that you say it has authority, I'll submit to it. I want it to be something that we also delight in. What if we went beyond authority and submission? We did that. But what if we went beyond it and, and we sought to delight in God's word? The longest psalm in the Bible is the chap longest chapter in the Bible, actually, is Psalm 119. And the whole psalm is about delight in the word of God. And guess what? The author never says, your words are authoritative, and I submit to them. Instead, the author says things like this. I delight in the way of your decrees as much as in all riches. Joyce, paraphrase, the word of God is as delightful as a load of cash. Here's another one. Your decrees are my delight. They are my counselors. This is verse 24. My paraphrase. Your word is as good as wise friends. Here's another one. Verse 47. I find delight in your commandments because I love them. I have no paraphrase for that one. Verse 54. Your statutes have been my song wherever I make my home. Here's my paraphrase. Your word is the soundtrack to my life. When I enter the door of my house, I hear your word. I hear your story playing, God. When I exit your, my house, I hear your story playing because it is the soundtrack that moves me from day to day. I delight in your word. Verse 162, I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. My paraphrase, your word, God, is, is more delightful to me than if those presents had all been carefully selected just for joy, and there was something in them, and they weren't empty. They're empty. <laughs> but there's this excitement and this hope and this love and delight for the word of God that we see in Psalm 119. And, and that is Mary's posture toward God's word. Let it be with me according to your word. She receives it. And we can discern from the text that she does so with joy and delight. So here's a way to develop a deeper love for God's word. This is a side note. I've been leading several small group Bible studies this year. And it is certainly delightful to sit around a table and read God's word with other people interactively. And I have witnessed delight in other people as they have done this, in members here, in, in regular attenders. So if you think, I, I, it's hard for me to read the Bible. It's, I don't really find it delightful. I kind of muscle my way through it. Or you have really never read it much with other people in real time, together. I encourage you to connect by joining a Bible study 
If you spend time in God's word with other people, you will grow in your faith and in your trust in God and in Christ. Here is a schedule of all the Bible studies we have here. And we have quite a few. Each of these meets weekly, weekly, except for the confirmation one, which just meets during confirmation. So if you're curious about this, ask me or Pastor Simon or Pastor Lars. I would love for these studies to be so full with people seeking to delight in God's word that we have to schedule more of them. That's my hope for you. God's will, following God's will, takes a love for God's word. Second, desiring God's will takes a long view. Mary looks both to the past and the future. Her response to this surprising news is not just centered on the present, as we know that God's will is going to result in some immediate discomfort for her, right? Not just simply the trials and challenges of being pregnant in the first century, but the social stigma of being unmarried, having to talk to Joseph, but we do not see Mary complaining about any of this. Instead, later on, when she visits Elizabeth and, and sings the song, she places her story within the context of God's work in history. Mary discerns, and she's so right, that from now on, she will be called blessed in the future. You're right, Mary. You are called blessed. I'm telling people to be like you. Right? You are blessed. She says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is, has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She looks forward, and she's right. We're blessing her right now. But she also looks backwards. She looks at what God has already done. He has remembered his promise to Abraham and his descendants. God is keeping his promises in the past. Mary is looking backwards and forwards. She takes the long view and, and doesn't simply focus on the present. It reminds me of what St. Paul, not Sir Paul, said in Romans 8.18. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. Desiring God's will takes a long view. It can't just be about right now, because you won't be motivated. Think about what God has done in the past, in your life, in the life of the church, in the life of the world. Think about what God promises to do in the future. Have a long view. It's not just about now. Finally, Desiring God's will takes a posture of holy indifference. Now, this phrase, holy indifference, is a spiritual formation tool, but it might be new to some of you. Uh, if you have you heard that, if you have not heard this, would you just raise your hand? I've heard it, by the way. I'm just demonstrating, right? Holy indifference is new to me. Holy indifference is new to me. That's what you're showing. I just want to see. So, holy indifference is detachment to preferences regarding what God asks of us. Holy indifference is detachment from preferences regarding what God asks of us. It is true openness. That's why the picture is of the open hands. We can have this posture, this space of holy indifference, where we receive with grace our circumstances, the things that happen, 
the things that happen to us and around us. This is the let it be posture. When I first learned about this, I was kind of offended. I was like, what you're saying, don't care. That is not good. I care, right? It is not apathy. It is not apathy. However, it is a posture of trust. Because God is sovereign. And God is at work even when we can't see it. God is at work even when stuff doesn't look like how we want it to be. Holy indifference is caring. But it's caring a little less because it puts our hope and our trust in God over our own preferences or desires. Holy indifference is ultimately assurance that God's got this. God's got this. It's realizing that though we can certainly choose to participate, to be active or not active in God's work, God's work is ultimately not up to us. Because this is why. I'm not sovereign. You're not sovereign. This, is, this posture of holy indifference is because we believe in God's sovereignty, that God's got this. Sometimes we can call this perspective divine providence. God's got this. Jeffrey Bilbro, in his excellent book on the news, writes this quote. A high view of providence and a chastened sense of our ability to recognize God's methods of victory frees us from worrying about whether a given event is good or bad. Even events of the news that seem irredeemably evil they remain under the hand of the creator who is working all things according to his plan. Lord, let it be with me according to your word. And we can do this with hope because God's will leads to blessing. It might not be today. Maybe not tomorrow or, or next week or next year. But when you take the long view, present suffering is nothing. Let it be. From now on, Mary said, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me. Words that were spoken by a shamed, pregnant, poor teenager in the first century. Oh, Sir Paul McCartney, you're so almost right. <laughs> Let it be with me according to your word. And my friends, may this be our, all of our prayers this year as we engage with God's word and listen to God together with our hands open in holy indifference as we have learned from our Mother Mary. I'm going to invite us into a time of prayer together. And you have a part. I bet you can guess it. It's let it be with me according to your word. Can you say that? Let it be with me according to your word. I'm going to offer some intercessions, and then I'll say, and we pray together, and we'll all pray that. So let us bow our heads in prayer. Jesus, I, I thank you for the example of your mother and our mother in faith, Mary. The first one to say yes to you. By your spirit today, would you tune all our hearts 
to also desire your will just like she did. And we pray, let it be with me according to your word. Jesus, by your spirit, would you implant in each of us deeper desire to delight in and engage with your story and your word through scripture reading and Bible study? I know from how you have worked in my own heart, it was that sort of interaction that drew me closer to you, that taught me again who you made me to be and what you have called me to do. And I pray that your spirit will work among us, drawing each of us closer to delight in your word. Lord, we pray together, let it be with me according to your word. And Jesus, by your spirit, would you also help us all to have a perspective of the long view, to not just think about now, how we feel now, what's going on now, but to think about how you have worked so mightily in the past and what you will do in the future. Would you give us holy indifference? Would you give us perspective? Would you help us to see the long view for what you're doing so that we might be filled with hope and joy, just like Mary was. And we pray together, let it be with me according to your word. And all these things, Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen.